In this episode, we meet the unstoppable Charles Caves, a former tax lawyer turned passion provocateur, championing freedom and transformation. For 30 years, he's empowered individuals and organizations to achieve world-class results by unleashing passion. As an international certified speaking professional and advocate against government outreach, Charles fights for human rights and freedom globally. CEO of textile and composite industries, Charles leads in hemp innovation and serves as the president of the Australian Industrial Health Alliance. Hosting the weekly Mind Medicine program and Charles Caves show, he shares wisdom that transcends beyond boundaries, making him a global thought leader in freedom, health and passion. So get ready for a burst of information. Welcome, Charles, to Wellness Spring. It's so lovely to have you on the show. Thank you, Beverly. Lovely to be with you, and I love the idea of wellness. I know you do. Being Australasia's passion provocateur, I know that wellness is top of your list. And before we delve into that, could you please tell our listeners a little bit about your background, where you grew up, your education, parents, so they can get a feel of you? Well, you've raised my favorite topic, talking about <laughs> myself. And most, most of us do like talking about ourselves, and it's a useful clue to remember. If you go to a cocktail party, and here's a clue for your listeners, if you go to a cocktail party, Spend your time listening to other people, asking them questions and not talking about yourself because you know who you are, but people love talking about themselves. And if you're a great questioner, then you'll, then that people think automatically you're a great conversationalist. So there you are. But this time, Beverly, to answer your question, I will talk about myself. I was born in Australia in 1952, the year of the dragon, and the, of the 12 Chinese animal signs, dragon is considered the most lucky. Well, I consider my life to have been most lucky, despite the fact that my parents were refugees from communist Hungary arriving, who arrived in Australia in 1949. I was the second of six children, and and we we had and have a wonderful family, but we had no money. And so we were a typical refugee family, Typical migrant family, you know, where the first generation live, live, literally lives to raise the kids. And I, all my life, I wanted to be a lawyer. I was the second of six children, as I said, four boys and two girls, all of whom are still alive. My dad has died, but my mum is still alive at 91, living by herself on our organic farm. I got a I finished school in 69, got a scholarship to Melbourne University, got an honours degree in law so I could pursue my passion, which was to be a lawyer. And then I was heavily involved in many sports. I was I was president of the Lawn Surf Lifesaving Club. I was chairman of Victorian Water Polo. I was an A-grade amateur footballer. Many, many sports. And, and my career was clearly laid out that I would be a lawyer. 
but I always I was my my mentor was a Jesuit priest. By the way, I got a master's degree in law in late nineteen in the late nineteen seventies. So I got an honours degree and a master's degree in law. But my mentor, a Jesuit priest, and my father both kept assuring me that I knew nothing, Beverly. And that's an important idea that each one of us knows so little. So I've been a lifelong learner, and that's one of the key points that I bring out to everybody. You must be a lifelong learner because life is changing so rapidly. You cannot sit on your existing set of knowledge. And indeed, I've heard it said that a university degree is out of date after three years after graduation. So I was a lifelong learner, and I, I was very keen on personal development because I wanted to keep getting better and better. And in 1993... In, in this journey, I went and did a two-week business school in Hawaii with Robert Kiyosaki. It was a wonderful business school. It was based on the work and the philosophy of Buckminster Fuller, amongst others. Buckminster Fuller, if no one's heard of him, is just an extraordinary visionary who died in 1983. And it was during that Two weeks in Hawaii when I was a successful commercial tax lawyer. I was the head of commercial law at the 10th biggest law firm. I had four children. And I decided to give away my career. That was 30 years ago this year in 1993. I decided to change career completely from commercial tax lawyer to Australasia's passion provocateur because it was my view that passion is the clue to greatness. Passion is the secret to greatness. One of my mantras is nothing great was ever achieved without passion. I knew what I was passionate about, but at this program for 150 people that cost $4,000 in 1993, that's $20,000 in today's terms, most of them did not know what, what they were passionate about. That was remarkable to me. And so I decided education motivation and passion and passion discovery was the key to my next step so for 30 years that's what i've been doing and then i established the business now i'm, I'm a professional speaker executive coach i do a lot of one-on-one -on -one executive coaching i've written two books co-written another two books passionate people produce passionate performance and then through that journey i've consulted to many companies on team building on strategic vision on leadership development and then business opportunities come. So I'm also a business consultant. And then I, I was engaged to, to help a hemp industrial hemp company to commercialize. That was 11 years ago. And I've now become CEO of that company and we make the world's best industrial hemp processing equipment. So I'm a, a, so the way to describe me now, the journey that I've come from is that I'm involved in five areas, all united by the principles of freedom, of human freedom. Those five areas, those five areas are passion. I fight for people to be free to pursue their passions. That's freedom. Secondly, I'm a legal strategist. I don't practice as a lawyer, but the law is designed to preserve human freedom. That's that's why the, the, the people in charge don't want us to have any freedoms. They want to control us entirely, so we become their tools. So the law, second element of fighting for freedom, the third is hemp, because hemp helps farmers be more successful. It 
rejuvenates, sustains soil, the planet, and successful, profitable family farms are a crucial defense mechanism against government overreach. The fourth is health. So my my philosophy is that if you're not healthy, you are not free. You are trapped in a hospital. You are trapped with doctors. You are trapped with in, with poor mobility. And the fifth element is comedy. So as a professional speaker, I've always known that comedy is important. I'm chairman of the Australian Institute of Comedy. And so free speech, Beverly, this is a big idea. If we censor our speech, that's the beginning of the end of freedom. The communist, totalitarian, dictatorial, fascist playbook is to limit free speech. And so so I fight for the right of people to express their views. And comedy is the leading edge of expressing views. So there you are. I'm a freedom warrior in those five elements, passion, law, health, hemp, and comedy. And I'm a broadcaster and I'm involved on the boards of six charities. Other than that, oh. I've got five children. Other than that, I exercise every day. Oh, my goodness. You've unpacked so much there. I was just thinking you were going to talk about your education. Anyhow, I will debunk a lot of the information you gave us. And it was great not, not to de started. Not debunk, you mean de deconstruct. Deconstruct, that's it. But you are a mystery. So, you know, go, go, go with your 70 hours a week working. And you've only touched on the icing on top of the cake of all the many things that you do. And I love the way you started with, it's good when you go to an event just to listen, because I organically started an international professionals network and a holistic professionals network in France. And I used to teach people um, networking skills. And I said, it's so important to be a good listener. You know, God gave us two years and one mouth for a reason. So if you ask a question, and as you rightly said, everybody loves talking about themselves and you can be there just nodding, but you have to really pay attention and look and notice the body language as well, because it's not what we verbally say. It's the body language is the whole package. And um yeah, you, um, I always tell people health is your best wealth because no matter how much money you got in the world, if you're not healthy, then freedom doesn't exist because you're, you know, your mind is trapped and focused on your pain or whatever ailment and you, you know, it's one vicious cycle. That's a very good insight, Beverly. Yes, you're, you're, mind is consumed by the pain you know very few people can ignore the pain and operate in normal ways no it creates stress in your body and and it stops you thinking freely i love that idea thank you and just reflecting on your background and your parents migration and refugee experience from Hungary, how do you think the challenges they've endured have shaped your resilience, especially in navigating the challenging times that we've recently faced? Well, my father was born in 1923. So when war broke out in 1939 in 
Europe. He was 16 when it really got when it really impacted on Hungary where he was living in 1941. He was 18. So, you know, 18 he had a great time at the early part of the war and then it got progressively worse and then he escaped excuse me he escaped Hungary because he he survived it okay as did my mother they didn't know each other and they met in a refugee camp in Austria in 1947 now my father was very wise because at a young age he was not expected to live you know, the doctor said he you know he was a very sickly boy and he had all sorts of health problems he, he had a wonderful, wonderful mind. The Hungarian education system was excellent and is still pretty good in, in world terms, still pretty good. And so he understood what was important in life. Because of that, he had no long-term expectations. He had a real ability to unpack, to deconstruct anything. He could go back to basic principles. He always looked at the basic principles of how the universe worked. And one of the keys to the Your Wellness podcast and to my work is, do you want to be happy? Secondly, do you want to be successful? And it's it's quite an interesting question. Well, if I was happy, that I'd be successful. Or could I be happy and not be successful? Or could I be successful and not happy? That's for each one of us to think about. There's no black and white answer to that, just like there's not many black and white answers to most things. But I put this question. If you if I could if I gave you twenty million dollars cash and you were unhappy, like literally, literally. You know, the, I'm, I'm thinking of a bird in a gilded cage, male or female. You could have a wealthy woman who offers me $20 million to be her lover for the rest of my life. Leave my wife and be with her for the rest of my life. I have no money worries forevermore, but I would be miserable. Would I take it? Never. And so... And so my father understood the secret to happiness. And I want to share that because this is such a profound idea. And it's, it's, it's four words, Beverly. We've got time for four words. The four words. Here's the secret. And I want you to think about if, 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 um, and I, I would normally, if I was running an all day seminar and I run programs and seminars, I speak at conferences. I set this up a little bit more, but I haven't got time with you. That is four words, choose to be happy. That's the secret. Well, that's, that's fantastic because as you and I both know, everything starts with a thought and it's our option to choose. We can choose happiness or choose sadness. Very good. And the mistake that most people make is, and by the way, the four words reduces to two that most people don't understand the rel the importance, the profound meaning of these words. It becomes two words, be happy. Now, the biggest mistake that most people make is that 
They can't choose to be happy. They can't have happy thoughts because they've got problems, Beverly. And the mistake they make is that I'll be their thinking, their thought process is, I've got this problem. I can't be happy. I'll be happy when. And when you let that principle disappear, then you can choose to be happy in the now while you are handling problems. That's that's what I learned from my father. And so that idea, so he arrives to this country, can't speak the language, got no assets, ends up having six children, 14 grandchildren, eight great-grandchildren. My mum's still alive, this incredible Christmas that we have each year and happy Christmas to all listeners and happy new year. He and he was eternally happy and he lived to the age of 83. And so understanding what we are capable of as human beings then liberates us from fear because my proposition is once you are willing, and this is my father, my mother's lesson, once you are willing to suffer, and that's what you say, fear, fear is simply an expectation of pain. When you really unpack that, what am I, what, what is this? You know, the two emotions are love and fear. Well, we, you know, we know that. But the big drivers of more profound base drivers comes back to the ancient Greeks. It's it's a pleasure pain equation. We want pleasure. We want to avoid pain. Fear is simply an expectation of pain. Once you say I can take pain, fear disappears. That becomes so liberating because then we can live life. But most people live their lives with a desire to avoid pain. And our whole society, my father saw the seduction. Our whole society is designed to make life easy. And that is that is a great fraud that makes us incapable, makes us useless, literally makes us able to be controlled, literally takes away our freedom, literally makes us human robots in the employ of controllers of the planet who do not want us to be free. That's a great way of um, putting it. And I love the way you described um, that we want pleasure and avoiding pain. Because I also say to people, as you mentioned, there's only two emotions, fear or love. And when you're in the emotion of love you can't be fearful and vice versa so again everything is down to choice and I loved your um, father's secret success to happiness you know to choose to be happy and um, I know you're heavily involved with comedy and Brian and I as we mentioned before in one of our chats we run the um, comedy shows in France and in Monaco for six months and it was such a hoot once a month we had four different shows and just to see people laughing and like when you're laughing in that moment you are present because you're not worrying about the past you're not worrying about the future you're just in the moment so you're being happy so um and happiness, I believe, helped to cure my cancer when I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and ovarian cancer because um, 
when I got the diagnosis, I was very relieved and we got a plane. I said to the three, like the oncologists, endocrinologists and gynecologists, let me think about it because they wanted to rush me into hospital and have chemo radiation. But instead, I went to New Zealand to the British Lions tour. And I laughed so much, being with friends, singing, because again, you're in the moment, laughing in the moment and just having fun. And I'm passionate about rugby union and was wow. blessed to work. Yeah, blessed to wow. work with this. Yeah, Australian rugby union. That is such a great yeah. story. You know, I, I'm, I'm dealing with people all the time who are getting these diagnoses diagnoses and i say to people do not let surgeons anywhere near your cancer do not let them cut you to bits take biopsies because they will say oh it's better to be safe than sorry and your story is such a such a an important one and what people will do is they will point to people who took your strategy and died yeah and they yeah. go oh it clearly doesn't work so what do you say about that and I, you know, I'm really interested in your perspective on this because there's something to do about faith. You know, what yes. gave you the faith that says, "Nope, I'm going to let my body heal itself." How do people, you know, because that's clearly what you had. How? Yeah. What's we, we let's you know we should talk about how do people create that belief when they've been indoctrinated for the last for the last 100 and. 113 years since 1910 that only medicine and drugs has the solution to any health problem? Well, I personally believe that it is our innate, innate nature to heal ourselves. You know, we are born okay, with Okay, stop this, there. So. That's, that's beautiful. That belief. So that Because that's, that's the our... profound power that you had because you had that belief. Say that belief again, because I love it. It's our innate nature to heal ourselves. Okay, so that's the belief. And once you believe that, say, body, heal yourself. And so where did that belief come from? I, I guess um, from childhood, I knew that I could heal myself and anything was possible. That's very good. Yeah. And you had some deep spiritual experiences as a child, did you not? Yes, I did. I did, not. Was... I did not. I did not. I had a wonderful – okay, so I teach spirituality, but, I, you know, gosh, when I've heard from our conversations, I'm sure you've shared it with your listeners before, but yeah. maybe you haven't, about your profound spiritual experiences that many people, by the way, deny that they had because it's sort of like woo-woo. Yeah. Well, when I was growing up, my mother said to me the first day of school, Shh, don't tell anyone it's our secret because she was clairvoyant. I was clairvoyant at that stage. And I just thought everybody could listen to angels, talk to angels and see them. But um, that wasn't the case. So that's how I grew up, because she didn't want uh, us people to think that we I was weird or a witch or something and it's funny because at one stage I did get a fright and I blocked those skills and when I went into psych nursing then I got the consultant psychiatrist to interview my mother and I to make sure that we weren't um, insane because I could hear people saying they were talking to God and the angels and so forth 
And um, he said, no, he, luckily he was an Indian doctor. And he said, no, you're both very talented, very gifted. And in India, you know, we work with the chakras and energy and healing powers and just keep doing what you're doing. But regardless of that, it's the power of intention. So I did get nervous because the doctors were all giving Brian, my partner, their mobile numbers and discouraging us from going because they said, my blood gas is out of whack. We've got to get, get it into hospital. And my cousin, who is also a Reiki master, said, no, it's an opportunity to walk your walk and talk your talk. So after two weeks of fun and laughter, I did wear crystals around my neck and in my pocket for my ovaries did meditation every day and just, I compartmentalized it, acted as if it didn't happen. I'll deal with that when I get back. And for now I'm healthy and happy. And I just got on with life and had so much fun. So and how long ago, it, and how long ago is that Beverly? 17 years ago. Well, that's so. a pretty decent, that's a pretty decent run. That is a magnificent, that is a magnificent story. And I would point out the joy of life is that each one of us is so different. What we, yeah. you know, we we have this idea that we're unique, but the idea that I've developed and I teach and it liberates people is that you are a weirdo, Beverly. I'm a <laughs> weirdo. Everybody yeah. who's listening to this podcast is a weirdo. And when we understand how weird each one of us is and why God made made it this way. There would be no progress if we all thought the same. And our great challenge is to come from love, not fear, because the fear that the system puts into us is that if I'm not like you, then I will be excluded from the tribe. So we're very tribal. And so yeah. coming back to I'm a weirdo. So the skill that you and your mother have, I'm so I'm I'm not envious. I, I honor. Everyone has wonderful, wonderfully different skills and talents. That was a talent that you, in fact, got. And it's an important distinction between talent and skill. We are born with talents and we develop skill. And I, the way I think about the work that I do, I have a deep understanding of business, of money, of tax, of physical health and motivation. And at a spiritual level, what I'm able to do is to translate the physical to the spiritual, right? Where you experience, I understand it, but I haven't experienced to that depth that you have. And interesting, I read an interesting story about Mother Teresa, you know, before she yeah. died. She lamented the fact that she never had, she never had, never had the feeling that God was hearing her. That, and she, she really quite, it was quite profound. She had no depth of spiritual experience that, or she said she didn't, that you just described to me, which, which is so, you are so fortunate. And I've got someone who I want you to talk to on your podcast, because there are people listening here who have had that, who have denied it. And people like me who have never had that, but I, I work so much on intuition on superconscious, on subconscious. I wait for the messages to come into my conscious awareness and I honor them, I nurture them, but I but I don't hear the voices that you do. But that's because I'm a weirdo and you're a weirdo. 
Um, I hear what you say, but I, I think my talent, as you described it, is open for everyone. Um, sometimes we experience it in different ways. Like you described your superpower, your super consciousness, and you wait for the messages to come, this in whichever way they appear. To me, that is connecting with your, your spirituality, your consciousness. You know, I believe that we're, we are spiritual beings dwelling temporarily in these physical bodies and we're here to have a sensual experience. So it's that divine power behind us that helps us to see with love, hear with love, smell, taste with love, touch with love. You know, because for example, if um, a tree fell in the forest, you know, does anybody hear it? Unless someone's there to hear it, you don't hear it. So mm. it's about sometimes wakening up our super consciousness because our intuition is, I like to describe it as it into it shone. So we mm -hmm. shine inside and it's about going within because all our answers are within. It's about allowing ourselves the time to sit and be still and just allow our consciousness to welcome us and say hello and to talk, you know, talk to our consciousness, you can call it, I, I like to call it my GPS, my great personal self. Mm. And I know I'm part of it. Um, I believe we're all like drops in the ocean. We are a drop, but we're also the ocean. And that's how I see consciousness. But um, David Suzuki, the Canadian environmentalist, he has a lovely idea as well. He said, we would understand how deeply connected we all are if we could see air. Yes, that's a wonderful <laughs> way of describing it. Because this is the magic, it's invisible, this life force energy. And, um, you know, I think I'm very blessed to have learned the skill of Reiki because I, I talk to the universe and I ask to be a channel so that the energy passes through me and then comes up my hands and connects with the energy of the person receiving it. And to feel like lots of my clients will say, it's like feeling um, your grandmother's love or God's love. Most people have never experienced God's love, you know, for the want of a better word, because everybody describes it as something different. But, you know, in for the religious people, they all have their own name for God or Allah or Buddha, you know, and Shiva. for the atheists, yeah, and for the atheists, it's like the universe or however they want to call it. But to receive di divine love and, you know, people are on a high, they're blossoming, they glow in this, their eyes, they look like sparkling diamonds, they look like they've had a facial and you feel so wonderful and all the stress is gone in that moment. But um, we've talked about super consciousness. I would like you to explain to the audience, if someone came for a one-on-one -on -one consultation with you, what would they experience? I know they're tailor-made, but and you also work with corporations. 
but what can one expect to bring that passion into their life? Well, the word passion is an interesting one, uh, building on your unpacking of intuition as in to I shone. Passion is yeah. pass I on. Woohoo! <laughs> that's, that's a nice model, isn't it? Pass I yeah. on. So in my work, I coach individuals one-on-one -on -one in five sessions, and then if they wish to repeat, they do. And some some people I've coached for just the five sessions because it was literally finding the block that was stopping their progress. Other times I've coached people for years where I've become their mentor along the journey. And my view of coaching, number one, is that it's really, mine is not process driven, where young coaches run around in their 20s, saying that they're executive coaches, 30s, with no life experience or very little life experience, you know, and they will be good for sharing a process. I'm into dealing with generally C-suite executives, people with a lot of experience who are looking for the next step in their evolution. And the problem with progress, the problem with improvement is once you get good at something, it's very hard to improve. Best example of that, it's been in the news a lot, swimming. I come from a swimming background. I've been swimming for 61 years. I've, I've swum the famous lawn peer-to-pub swim 26 times. I was the president of the Surf Lifesaving Club when we started it in 1981. In swimming, Beverly, once you can swim 53 seconds for 100 metres, to swim 52.8 or 50, half a second faster is incredibly difficult. Same with our lives, you know, and, and there's the, there is a, a curve that shows this rate of improvement. The better you get, the harder it is to improve. And so what my role is as a coach is to find that slight change, that 1% shift in behavior that will lead to the improvement. And, and often 1% improvement makes the world of difference. And by that, I mean, in swimming, if you take a 53 seconds for 100 meters by a woman, if you improve by 1%, that's half a second, 0.5 of a second, you will win a gold medal rather than coming fifth. Or in golf, you win a the winner 280 strokes, 1% 1 is 283 strokes. Three strokes difference, 10 places different. Massive, massive difference in financial reward. And so that's what I'm looking for in the context of each of my clients being a weirdo. So I don't, I don't, you know, and, and my aim is not to stop them being the weirdo. My aim is to help them identify what it is they need to improve. And then the second issue is, like we talked about earlier with faith, with belief, what belief do they have? What beliefs do they have that don't serve them? Because your, it was your belief that led to your recovery from cancer. Our beliefs are so profoundly important, and you would be amazed how – no, you wouldn't because I know your background, but in the people that I work with, I'm constantly amazed at how unclear people are about what they believe. And that's my message to everybody. Gosh, 
you know, understand what you believe, number one, understand what you could believe and understand how to change your beliefs so that you live life on your terms. And if you believe you're not meant to be happy if you've got problems, then that's the number one belief that I would start with. Wow. As always, you, you <laughs> unpacked a lot there, but um, do you have um, a success story? I know you've got hundreds or probably thousands, but something that you could um, share with us, obviously without divulging names, so people can get an idea. Yes. Yes. One of my coaching clients, let's call him, let's call him Mark without a surname because that's his name. <laughs> and he was very successful in business, four children, and his wife left him. I was coaching him at the time. And he was devastated. And I helped him to see that this is the absolute way his life was meant to unfold and that this was the best thing for him and that the whole basis of his, of his decision-making around his wife and his thinking around his wife was fundamentally flawed due to his own self-beliefs. And when he shifted his own self-beliefs, his desperation and unhappiness about his wife leaving him to go on her journey disappeared. And he is now so grateful for that and publicly acknowledges my help in that journey. And that is one of many, and one of the key ways to do this for those who can't afford my services as a coach, one of the crucial crucial ideas to understand is that when something bad happens like your spouse walks out on you there will be drawbacks there are huge drawbacks we are focused on the drawbacks of that experience here's my promise to you i will help you identify an equal number of benefits of you losing your spouse and when you see the illusion of life that you think you can experience anything that doesn't have drawbacks, then you awaken and then life becomes a whole different experience. Every experience, good or bad, has benefits and drawbacks or drawbacks and benefits. Give you one other example. If you were to win $20 million, I love the number 20 million because most people think $20 yeah. million would free them. Most people think one would, but it doesn't. If you win $20 million in a lottery, I say to people, what are the drawbacks of winning $20 million? The unthinking people say, no drawbacks, all my problems will be over. I have a list of 28 drawbacks of winning a large amount of money. Would I like to win a large amount of money? Yes. But let go of the illusion that there are no drawbacks to winning $20 million. That's a great tip. And you've mentioned swimming and running. Um, given your passion for running and exercise in general, how crucial do you believe physical exercise is for overall success and well-being? 
and how has it contributed to your personal journey? Yes, I, I the body that we have, except in a very small number of cases, is not designed not to be used. My mantra is use it or lose it. Our body is a series of pipes and tubes. Don Tolman, T-O-L-M-A-N, there's wonderful material on that. We are open to the universe. And so, and so everything has to move through us. Our, our muscles need to be worked. And if our body is stagnant, like stagnant water, it causes dis-ease, uncomfortable. And so from an early age, and I look at kids, kids are not designed to sit around, and that's going to be a huge health problem in future with how much time they're spending on these little devices. I say that we must keep this body in movement. I adopted that very early in my life. As I said, I've been swimming for 61 years. I've been competing in triathlons, which includes cycling for 37 years. I will physical movement and physical stress is as important as having your food. So that's, that's what I would say. And it's, and all of my activities revolve around the concept as you talk about in wellness of mental, physical and spiritual elements. So there's no point just being in the physical side and being physically healthy if spiritually you're unwell or mentally you're unwell, or if you've stopped your learning journey, all of that, all of that plays a part in the Hungarian definition of health or the Hungarian word for health is egészség, which means wholeness, being whole. So I say to you that your health, every person's health as a weirdo is the unique, optimal balance of mental, physical, and spiritual elements. Health is the unique or weird optimal balance for each one of us of mental, physical, and spiritual. And I have not found many healthy people who are not, are not physically putting stress on themselves. So that's my answer. Thank you. I also add emotional to that. I think I told you before, on one of our personal chats that I call it PEMS, like the English like to drink PIMS, and we make a joke about it being PEMS, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Very um, good. And that's quite an interesting question because my emotions, in my view, come from my perspective, my mind. My mind drives my emotions. So that's... And emotions crucially important because here we are talking about feeling happy, feeling success. They're emotions, yeah. but they're driven from the mind. But that it's it's like emotions are a derivation of the mental of the mind perspective. But I'm happy with PEMS. I'm but I like what I like about mind, body, spirit. MBS is that it's the you think of the every time you see the Mercedes Benz symbol on the road. You have a circle with divided into three, and and that I was using that subconsciously in all of my flip charts when I'm running a seminar: mind, body, spirit. Ah, that's the Mercedes Benz symbol. I should have had Mercedes Benz sponsor me. Exactly, and you've got the power of three as well with the Trinity. So yes, yes, yeah. So um, because you're like a super amazing high achiever in business, entrepreneurship, and 
you know, on the boards of loads of um, organizations, all for health and wellness, sustainability. For someone starting out, what would be your advice um, for business success tips? Well, I'll give you the number one tip. And I, I don't want to, I can, I can give you many. I'll, I'll give you a couple. Number one, of course, is to be healthy. So that's pretty big. Number two, lifelong learner. So minimum, minimum structured learning of 5% of the week, which is eight hours, which is one hour a day, minimum. You have to be, a, that includes, you can put reading, but reading is on, on top of that. So structured learning and then reading. So healthy commitment to ongoing learning. Number three, of course, is to discover your passion. So what do I really want? And it doesn't, if you can't decide, that's okay. You, you keep working. That's part of your journey to, to say, right, I'm passionate about pursuing this. And you can always change direction. So you go two years down the track, hmm, that wasn't right. I'm not passionate about that. I will jump. So be willing to change, but to keep looking for your soul's journey. Number four, is that this is the... The, the these four will will absolutely make you successful. I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by success in a moment. Is to keep the most magnificent database of every single person you meet, because in the twenty first century, your gold is your relationships. And most young people, you know, people meet people and they don't do any, they don't keep records of it. They meet people. If I showed you what I've got on my desk, I've got, I've got hundreds of business cards everywhere. I meet people. I stay in touch with them because to spend time to go to networking events and or so business functions and meet people and then not stay in touch with them is as useful as planting a seed in the garden and never watering it and expecting it to flourish. Your relationships are your gold. Therefore, nurture them. Understand the value of them. Decide which ones are your A, B and C categories for the rest of your life. And I somehow knew this from a very early age, Beverly, from I reckon I was last year of school, I was 16 and I have kept extensive detailed databases of everyone I've met and it's it's put me in great stead so I can ring people because I've stayed in touch with them. I don't stop talking to them. And then you can ring them to ask them for advice, to ask them for money. And the fifth one I'll share with you, fifth and final, five is a very good number because five in numerological terms is all about freedom. Number five is when you ask people for money, they will give you advice. When you ask them for advice, they will give you money. Wow, that's a very, very good tip. Thank you. I'll remember that and just ask for advice when I need some money. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yes. And, and you um, go to the person with the capability, you say, right, I'll, I'd like this person to consider this proposal. I will ask this person with money, what advice would you give me to make this proposal work? 
So there you are. Thank, thank you. And you mentioned you would tell us um, what you mean by success. So what is your definition of success? I learned this from Napoleon Hill. And Napoleon Hill produced the first platinum record of the spoken word. You can listen to the recording yourself. It's called The Strangest Secret. A famous recording mm -hmm. done in the, in the mid-1950s. And in that, he shares a definition of success that he didn't quote where it came from. He, but he said he learned this from someone else. Success is the progressive realisation of a worthy ideal. Success is the progressive realisation of a worthy ideal. And so just imagine that it's not the attainment of a worthy ideal. It's progressively realising your worthy ideal. So it begs the question, what's a worthy ideal? My answer to that is to pursue your passion. My answer to that is to go, ah, that's my ideal. I will, I, the ideal could be to discover my passion. That's a worthy ideal. And you are successful as you are progressively realizing that. So what that means is you feel successful on the journey, not only when you reach the end of the journey. That is wonderful because it's about embodying it and feeling it. You know, it's like your future self can live and breathe success. They know what it's like to be successful. Yes. So you're preparing I'm successful your body because well. I'm progressively realizing. It's like being the other met the good metaphor for this is like a mountain climber. What who's a successful mountain climber? Well, am I'm halfway up Mount Everest. Am I a successful mountain climber? Well, my worthy idea is to climb Mount Everest. Good. So I spent weeks climbing this mountain. I get to the top. I spend 10 minutes at the top. Is that it? Guess what happens when I get to the top of Mount Everest? I have to come down. And then what do I have to do? I have to climb the next mountain. That's life. We, we climb this peak. Then we have to come down. We climb this peak. But as each peak is on our journey to being a profoundly skillful mountain climber, I know I'm successful at each step of each climb. That's a wonderful way to live life. Yeah, it's interesting you talked about Mount Everest and peaks because I was privileged to meet the explorer, Mike Horn, who does a lot of work, you know, on North and South Pole. He went there, you know, by himself, did a solo expedition. But he said with all his expeditions, at the end of it, when you've completed it, you get a profound high and then you go into extreme low because it's almost like you've made it. And then you go into a big low. So is that similar yeah, to that's, what that's you're exactly saying? what I'm talking about. That's the illusion that I will only be successful when I get to the North Pole or the South Pole. No, that's one step in this worthy ideal. That's why many Olympic champions go into deep depression. That's why many top world class sportsmen go into deep depression because they've had this illusion that it's the win that is the success. No, it's not. It's the progressive realisation of this worthy ideal and that that win is one part of this magnificent experience of life. Thank you. And I always ask my guests, if there was one thing you could do to change the world, what would it be? Minimise division between men and women. Unite men and women united 
not the same, but to be united in a loving perspective so that governments are unable to divide us will ensure good government will ensure a planet that works for a majority and not a minority. That's wonderful. And um, I know we're coming to a close, but what tips could you give for um, both adults and children, especially children? Like, we'll have to have you back on the show because we haven't talked about your Charles Cavest podcast or the TNT radio podcast or your beautiful two books that you've written and so much more. So, um, and I know the wonderful work that you do with children as well. So I'm just wondering um, what tips for 2024 would you give to people to face all the challenges that we're going through? I'll give one tip. Let go of the illusion that the good life is the life without problems. I learned from Buckminster Fuller, this is a profound idea, that as a human being, our major and our major reward for solving problems is not peace or happiness or success. Our major reward for solving problems is bigger problems. Wow. That's awesome. And when you embrace that idea, you stop thinking that my life will begin when I end my problems. No, as I say to my coaching clients, I'll coach you, but you're going to become more competent and you are going to have bigger problems. And that's what life is about. And once you embrace that idea, then it doesn't matter what the challenges are because you see that it is the overcoming of these problems, these challenges. That's how we grow. And if you don't grow, you die. So my wish for everyone in 2024 is to keep growing, to embrace the problems and to using your amazing intuition, your super conscious skills, your talents in a weird way to overcome the problems that we face and I'm confident that humanity can do so, as Buckminster Fuller was confident. Thank you, Charles, for giving up your precious time. Thank you, Beverly. Lovely to be with you. Thank you for the opportunity and congratulations on the work that you do, the important work that you do. And listeners, I hope this conversation is of great value to you.